Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando, episode 235. Yes, this is the beginning of the episode. I usually end the podcast with, uh, you know, thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home and hear the, the Michael. Pfft. I don't know if that's what a microphone sounds like, but that's what I went with, Favaz. Uh, so on the heels of the last episode that we did, and I really – Thank you uh, once again to the participants of that episode. I got to do have more of you on the fan, the the share your experiences as we got fan perspectives uh, from Sandra and Patrick, uh, a couple of Canadian fans about the 1992 Montreal riot, and uh, perhaps we did it. I did this out of order because the uh, perhaps the most <laughs> famous riots, perhaps the most infamous uh, situation to ever happened. Maybe I won't say in rock and roll, but the Guns N' Roses. Um, maybe the the Riverport riot. So today, I wanted to get in somebody who is just um, a great storyteller, and perhaps you've seen his documentary online on YouTube about it, about the the Riverport riot, the St. Louis riot with Guns N' Roses. So I welcome in today, uh, Casey Morning Show host Favaz. So thank you so much for for spending some time with me today to relive a traumatic event. Hey, Brando, it's a, it's a pleasure. And in fact, I was just on stage at Riverport doing a video thing last week. And I can look from the stage right down where I was sitting. I was sitting in about the 13th row for the, uh, for the riot show. So it, uh, yeah, yeah, this thing brings back a ton of memories for sure. I mean, you know, I said at the beginning of the last episode, you know, obviously the word riot can mean so many different things. And I think, you know, I, I don't want us to reminisce and highlight um, because people did get hurt, but thankfully it wasn't anything like Altamont or anything like that. Uh, thank goodness. But you know, I, there were some people that got hurt, though. Yeah, I mean, there 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 were people that that got chairs thrown and hit in the head and and things like that. Um, I know but, it's scary. yeah, it was not nobody died. Nobody died like Altamont. You know, but it's so. scary. So I appreciate you and the fans who want to come on to relive these moments because I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's something for me and others to listen to it. But I think we we want to be in your footsteps at that time. And I don't know, maybe be grateful that we never experienced something like that. We only read about <laughs> it. Um, so, so you were, we were talking a bit off the air, and I always consider myself the the radio veteran. You know, at thirty seven, but at least on the podcast, I've had radio people on, but usually around my wheelhouse. Uh, you, sir. I bow down. I am not worthy. You know, as I just watched, I don't know if you watched it yet. The Wayne's World. Why, thank you. Uh, the, <laughs> the So you've been uh, a part of uh, Casey's morning show since 1991. Is, is that when you started radio? If I can just get a little background about you before we talk about St. Louis. Yeah, sure. Sure. I started at Casey in 91. I ran the controls for the morning show at the time. And then I was working another job, too. 
and I would go from, you know, being done at 10 o'clock to the other job. And after a few months, it was just killing me. So, um, I told the boss and he took me off the morning show, but I would still be their board op if they went out and, and did remote broadcasts. And, um, so it gave me my own shift and, um, I was part-time for four years and I was hired full-time in 95. I did evenings for about three years, which I absolutely loved. And I did afternoons all the way up until January of this year. Uh, in 98, um, I got hired to do, well, you know, they, they, they made me do afternoons, made me, but you know, I wanted to do afternoons. Sure. And so, um, uh, from 98 to 2020, um, I did afternoons and I loved it. And, and now I, I, I am the morning show host along with my partner, John Hewlett, who, and we also have a podcast called the Casey tapes, cool. which I think people, if, if people like your podcast, they, they would really dig ours because between John and I, I've been at Casey for 29 years. John has been at Casey for 44 years. Wow. He is also the PA announcer. He's the PA announcer for the Cardinals at oh, Bush Stadium. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really awesome. And, and between the two of us, we have so many interviews uh, that we have done over the years. So uh, we're at episode 113 of our podcast, and we play a different interview each week, and we stop it and pause it and give each other shit, uh, <laughs> ask each other questions, laugh, whatever, and, and then the whole thing is there. So um, it's called the Casey Tapes. But, uh, yeah, so I do mornings now. And um, back when the riot happened, July 2nd, 1991, I was hired at Casey. I was part-time. And it was uh, something I'll never forget. Wow, there's there's a lot to unpack there because the radio geek in me, uh, for one, it's like wow, this is a guy who's been in it for so long, and you paid your dues, you know. As we, you know, I, I say not to deviate too much, but everybody and their mother has a podcast now, you know. And I'm not talking about you. <laughs> yes, they do. And we're not talking, and, and I'm not talking about you and me who have. And I don't want to sound, um, you know, like an, like an elitist here, but it's like we paid our dues. You know, and we have a podcast in addition to our radio career. So that's why but I know the world has changed. 2020 is different. It's just podcasting is, is a real thing now. But that's the, what my view of it was, I guess, honestly, prior to doing to this podcast and seeing the reach that it has. But to hear that, you know, you, um, you know, you worked while doing the morning show, something that I did. Uh, you, you couldn't do it. You had to stay part time. Like, I, it's just that it sounds very familiar oh, yeah. to, uh, to my path. So. Right now, I'm imagining when I have been part-time doing morning shows, honestly, and to have an opportunity to go to shows. One of the perks of waking up early and not making a lot of money in radio is going to rock and roll shows. So what yeah. were Guns N' Roses at that time in 1991 were were huge, but they weren't like where, where – I guess where were they in the, the Pantheon, I guess, at that time? Because wasn't the Riverport – venue that was also kind of new and maybe it was you could almost smell it it was so new Uh, i think prior you know that happened the the, their show happened july 2nd the very first show was steve winwood and that was june 14th so that was a matter of 18 days before the guns and roses show this this amphitheater the shed opened up which you know, now they're all over the place. Uh, back at that time, I don't know if there were too many, but, you know, we were, you know, we weren't used to it. Uh, that's for sure. And, um, you know, that the fact that it had just opened and pretty much it didn't get destroyed, but a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff <laughs> got destroyed was, was the weirdest part because, 
here they just spent all this money to make it look pretty and brand new. And then, you know, the Guns N' Roses show and the riot happened and uh, they had to shut it down for a few days to get everything back in order. So, yeah, that part was weird. It's interesting because it's not like when I think of, and I'm using being stereotypically here, when I think of St. Louis, you know, aside from being a Guns N' Roses fan and having that association, I don't think of angry people. I was telling you off the air, (laughs) I've been uh, to St. Louis just once. Uh, many years ago with uh, on a trip with my dad and I actually was at Bush Stadium when uh, my my favorite my former favorite Yankee became a St. Louis Cardinal and he happened to be playing the Brewers at the time so I happened to uh to be in Bush Stadium and I remember going to uh, a restaurant later with my dad and it was all it was right after a Blues game and there was all these Blues jerseys uh, around I'm like look at the camaraderie you know coming from New York it's like <laughs> I was an Islander fan I see a Ranger fan and vice versa we want to fight each other it's just Everything has seemed beautiful, right. and it's just so when well, I think of well, seeing, you haven't been to a a, a Blues Blackhawks Chicago Blackhawks game. Fair enough. That, that's where it, it gets a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair For enough. For sure. So what For was sure. the, what was the mood that day going to the show? I, I have to imagine people were excited, right? Because it wasn't at Axel and Gene. Norton. Totally excited. Because yeah, it wasn't like now where people have this PTSD about him being late, even though you know in recent years he's been <laughs> great. But you know what I mean? It's so right. the, the mood was no, happy. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think I had heard of Appetite for Destruction back in 87. My nephew turned me on to it. Did it come out in 86 or 87? I don't even remember. 87. That record. It, it, took a year to, it took a year to break, but it was yeah, 87. Right. So, you know, I, I had been to a ton of shows before. And so I went with my two friends and, you know, we were we were super excited not only to see a you know, a, a top-notch band, a huge band that we loved that that just, you know, fucking rocked, you know, Slash on guitar. And you had uh, Izzy and Axel singing. I mean, we were really jacked for it. But at the same time, we were going to a brand new place to see a show, one that we had never been to, uh, the Riverport Amphitheater. So I think a lot of people were excited. But the thing about St. Louis is that it is a, it's part of the Midwest, obviously. It's a, it's a rock and roll town. And, um, you know, I think that night, uh, Axel struck a chord with, uh, just being ignorant. And, um, he, he, he pissed off the rock and roll crowd. And, um, I, I don't think that he expected the, the response that he got from the crowd. So correct me, who was Skid Row didn't opened or, Wait, 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 who opened that show? Because I, I guess if you can, I kind of want to walk with you a little bit through the night and, and sure. the mood. So who opened? It was it? Skid Row. Right. Yeah, it was. I interviewed a video, interviewed Sebastian Bach for that, uh, the video, the Riot Show video uh, years later. And it was just funny to hear him talk about it. Um, you know, they, they were great. And I'll never forget him singing, you know, back at the time, I don't know if, it, I guess it was still popular, but. Uh, Vanilla Ice was popular. Okay, sure. <laughs> back in '91, and I'll never forget him singing "Ice, Ice, Baby, Fuck Off, Fuck Off" during the show. <laughs> he just sang that, and I had I had heard of Skid Row. Um, you know, I, I didn't know too much about them, but they blew me away. They 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 were great, and uh, I was like, wow. You know, after after seeing them and before Guns came out, I was like, we are at a real rock show. You know, it was just, it was the coolest, you know. Did Casey give away tickets to the show or was the, the radio station We sold involved? that place out. Okay. We sold that place out, brother. 
that that is a that that thing that that show that band was a Casey band from the get go, and we played everything. We have played everything, and uh, there were twenty thousand people there. We put twenty thousand people there. It was uh, it was a it was a great thing. And you know, when I bought the tickets, um, I don't think I was at an official employee of Casey. I think I may have been an intern, uh. but at the same time, once. Once the show happened, though, I, I was, you know, I was an employee. And so it was it was just the weirdest, um, the weirdest thing to be involved at the radio station and then also have this band that that was the biggest band at the time, the rock band, you know, play. It was just the weirdest thing. Talk about an initiation into a radio station. Total. Oh, my God. It was it was crazy. How old were you yeah. at the time? I was 26 at okay. the time. I'm 55 now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't, you were a man. I was just something like, was he in his you know late teens, early twenties, but 26 is like, okay, you can, uh, you can handle your own a little bit. Uh, a little yeah. Bit, uh, I had, so, I had some wits about me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had been to enough shows. That's for sure. I mean, I've been to, I, I don't know where I was with my couch, but my first one was, I think I was 13 years old. So I had been going to shows for a long time. So it was, you know, to see, you know, to have something like that happen, you know, even after you've been to see so many shows was, was weird. You know, it was just, uh, it was, it was a weird event. What was know? the delay between Skid Row and GNR? Was there a delay? Did were, was there any sort of, you know, antiness? I don't think there was, a, I don't think there was a major delay. And I know Axel and you, you touched on it here, you know, he's known for, for being tardy and stuff, but I don't think at that time, it was that much of a delay, um, you know, because I was working the morning show and I had to be up. I think we started at 5 a.m. Uh, back at that day. Yeah. Tell me I, about it. I know what that's six like. now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't think, you know, it was, you know, uh, that much of a delay. And okay. they came out and I think the, I think everything started to go bad around nine thirty ish or so and so that would have made it about an hour twenty in, maybe maybe ten o'clock. You know, the they had they had played a bulk of their show before things went south. So So everything was riding high. Everything was great. The set list was great. You didn't did you sense any sort of a like because you, you even in the documentary that you have on online, you you sit in your seat and you're not far. You see, you say in the documentary that you're you know you're right in front of Slash. So did you see any sort I sure of was. unusual angst? If I could phrase it like that, from Axel, was he complaining to people off stage? What or because it's just yes. Okay, so if you could take <laughs> so what, did you make anything of that? Was there any sort of like okay, what's what's going on here? They're not just playing the songs. Like what's what's happening? Something it, weird. It was weird. The guy that started the riot is a KC listener, and his name is Stump. And his name is uh, his real name is Billy. And he handed Axel a business card early on in the show, just to say. I think I, I would go into this, or, or Stump maybe went into this in the video uh, that we had uh, made, and right. which we have received a cease and desist, which I'll tell you about in just a second. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, 
Uh, it's not on our website anymore. But anyway, he had handed him a business card just saying, hey, welcome to St. Louis. And Axel had an attitude like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Oh, okay, thanks. You know, it was just, it was one of those, it was like, wow, the guy's kind of a dick, you know? But the show, the music was so good. And I'll just never forget the Godfather theme, you know, uh, Slash doing the the guitar solo for, for that. And uh, we, we knew Appetite for Destruction front and back. I mean, we knew it for, you know, for everything it was. And it was a it was a great show, but you could tell, you know, just from that slight interaction that Axel had with Stump at the time, that he just wasn't right. You know, little did we know that it would all come to a crashing end. Oh know, but. yeah, because there's a part of like I can understand that because there are, you know, people you, you probably get it all the time. People asking you for tickets, being a radio guy, sure. or that you know that they, they want to do business with you, and you're like, okay, yeah, sure. But sure. I'm sure Axel may have yeah. been a little bit more uh, salty, maybe with his uh, with that exchange. But I, I just want to acknowledge yeah. that I did. It was a request for me to get Stump on this as well. But you have him on the documentary, so there's really nothing more for him to to say at this. Yeah. Point. So let me you you refer to that documentary. So we made that thing, and we had it on the KC website, and the video of the band, uh, you know, the the home homemade video mm-hmm. that that you see on there. Um, was taken by a Guns N' Roses roadie. And I got a hold of that footage that he filmed through a guy at Riverport. We used it, and we got a cease and desist, I don't know how long after we posted it on our website, from the roadie wow. saying that he would sue. So we have taken, you know, it's been down you know, our, our website for years. I don't think we'll, we would still put it up. I know it's on Vimeo. Is that a, uh, yeah. I think... That's where it lives. You know, so people can still see it. Okay, I'm glad you, know? you said that because um, I was worried, and I'll put up that link then because I was worried after this interview that I'm like, because this documentary has lived on YouTube at least for about three years. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if this is it a current GNR roadie or is it a, an ex. I have no idea. I don't know. And it's funny. I should ask Richard Fortas because he's from St. Louis and I'm good friends with him. And he's been in the band for quite a long time now. I should ask him. I don't think I've ever asked him that. Um, you should. He's been on. Um, yeah, pro- I will. You probably get him on your show more. I had him on once and I had to be really cautious. I just we spoke about his band Hedronics. <laughs> Not really. GMR. Yeah. Well, he 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 is very uh, careful with what he says. Um, and I think he has to be because of, you know, I mean, he says Axel's a great guy and, and I'm, and I'm not denying, you know, that, uh, he may be a good guy, but, but, you know, he, he really went to bat for Richard and now that Slash and Duff are back in the band. He, he lets those guys do walk, you know, walk in the walk and talk the talk. And, and you won't get a ton out of Richard when it comes to, you know, is Guns N' Roses working on new stuff? Well, he might say, yeah. That that's about it, you know. Sure. But anything other than that, he 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 may not. But uh, he's a great player. Oh, absolutely, sure. and he was a great dude. And I and I know how to, to yeah. you know play in the game and all that. But it's just interesting because uh, I only ask if the roadie was current or not because it's something about the GNR world that not many stuff lives online that is not like an official Guns N' Roses release. So I've just been surprised that because your the documentary yeah. includes music. I'm like, I'm glad this is it does. Uh, 
So it does. It was so, our video guy was so good. I mean, you know, I did my thing, but the guy that put it together, his name is Jim Modulin. And he was our video guy at Casey at the time. He's not with us anymore. And the, the, the shit that he put together was just awesome. You know, from the footage, the home shot footage, from the roadie, from, uh, you know, the actual, you know, concert, which I believe you can see online anywhere uh, these days. Um, it might be on YouTube. You know, it was just, it was, it was just really well done. It you know? was. And I think people, I think people that, that, you know, love the band and, and want to learn or just, you know, hungry to learn more about what happened. That video is a good thing to see for sure. But I want to get, and, and absolutely, but uh, the purpose of this is to, I want to get uh, different perspectives. And I, I, I'm sure, obviously you've spoken about this, but I'm not, you know, I'm trying to see if I can look under a rock if maybe there's something you experienced or you saw that you, you haven't yet. Because obviously, there, you know, there's so many untold stories about these events. It was quite something when you shared. And let me see. I, I should have brought this up earlier, um, at least on my I mean, on my uh, my social media. But when you shared uh, my status, the amount of, <laughs> you know, of your listeners that said that I was there, you know, this is something yep. that they've never forgotten. No, this is something that, that I, you've been to a million concerts. Do they all stick with you? No, right? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I don't think they all stick with me. If, if you tell me, oh, well, I've seen such and such a band, and I go, I did. I, I don't remember that one. I remember, and and sure, the the listeners remember it, and they will still harbor ill will toward Axel to this day, even though the band played here just like three years ago, four years ago at the dome, uh, their, their, their first and only time back that they've played, uh, as Guns N' Roses. And so people to this day still, you know, they'll say, fuck Axel, you know, it's just like, come on. We, I know it was his fault, you know, back then he was a different guy than he is now, but you know, a lot of time has passed by and, um, you know, it's time to get over it, you know? And I think a lot of people have, I, I certainly have. And, you know, but, but some people just won't give it up, you know? Yeah, so I guess with that, um, before we dive back into the the show, when you play Guns N' Roses on Keishi, do you get calls? People saying turn that you know asshole off, or is that no? Okay, okay, no, good. not anymore, okay. not anymore. Back in the day, yeah, I mean, they, we even had a rally underneath the Gateway Arch, <clears throat> and it said, you know, like it, 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 I, I don't have the picture, and I don't know where it's at, but it was a. It was. I think underneath the crowd had formed. Fuck Axel. Uh, they were, uh, you know, standing, you know, in the F and the U and all that. And it was a. It was a, a thing that we organized because I think after Use Your Illusion one and two came out, doesn't he say fuck St. Louis in it? I believe he does somewhere in the liner notes. Oh uh, yeah, maybe I that. I think I have that. Yeah. Yes. Illusion uh, uh, one and two's artwork featured a message in their uh, thank you notes. Fuck you, St. Louis. That's it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we. So they did something like that, and and I, I think back, you know, back in the day, my God, the the feelings toward that band, you know, from the St. Louis crowd were like, uh, uh-uh, don't yes. we hate them? You know, it's it's different now, certainly. Um, but yeah, back in the day, sure. So let's go back into the set list. When so, Rocket Queen is the song where everything went awry. Yes, right? it, it sure was. So, yep. I guess put us in your 
it, it, let us look through your eyes. What do you what do you see? What can you? How vividly do you remember that that moment? I was thir- let's see, I was in the thirteenth row, uh, and I was in front of Slash, so I was down there. And um, Rocket Queen was a song. I know it's the last song on Appetite. It was a song that I I knew, but I wasn't super super familiar with it. And it was just, you know, they were good. They were playing it, and then um, you know, Stump, you know what you know, what caused that riot was a photo being taken, which is kind of funny to talk about now in 2020, because that's all you, you see. Right. And, um, you know, uh, when the show stopped, you know, and when he jumped in, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, it, it wasn't all that far from me. It was far enough that, you know, I, I didn't get involved or anything, but it was when he jumped, when he jumped into the crowd and the band stopped playing, that's when I was like, holy shit, I've never experienced anything like that in my life at a show where the band where number one, the, the singer jumped into the crowd to assault pretty much a concert goer and the band stopped. I'll just never forget that, you know. Mm. And you knew right away that who Axel was pointing to, you knew it was your 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 listener. I, I did not know Stump at the time. Oh, okay. and I know him well now. Uh, I, I so did didn't you, even know his name, but you knew uh, he, at the time, but you knew what the issue was, I guess. No, I don't even think we knew what the issue was. Um, okay. you know, cause he said, he said, you know, from the stage, Hey, grab that, grab that. Hey, if you're not, then I'll do it. God right. damn it. Or whatever. Right. He jumped down and, um, you know, I don't think at the time we knew wh- what was going on. Like, what you is know, this? We found out after. Yeah, is this part of the show? Did, did you even think that at all it was part of the show for some reason, or you were like, what? "No, did not think it was okay. part of the show." Okay, so I, I knew it was real, and and I didn't, I didn't know the security guys like I know them now. Hmm. Um, you know, I was still fresh at Casey, so. Um, but you know, it was it was definitely not part of the gig. It, it was you know just just him getting down there, and then you you really couldn't see him hit stomp or, or land on top of him. You just knew he was in the crowd. And then, you know, when he got back up on stage, he took his microphone. He said, due to that lame ass security, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I'll never forget him slamming down that microphone and making that huge noise. And you know, the rest of the band was looking around like, uh, I guess we're done. I don't know. You know, and walked off and it was very real at that point. That's for sure. You know, what do you recall? And I asked this of the fans I spoke to last episode uh, with Montreal. When it just went for uh, for you, when you were able to see, it went from just okay, the show is over. Okay, I guess I got to go home. To something else is happening. There's a violence is about to start. A riot is about to start. Was there something that you know? Did you see a fight break out? Something thrown? Oh what, yeah. What was the first? Oh yeah. Thing? So what was the first? <laughs> I guess event that you saw that, okay, police are going to be here any moment. Brando, I can tell you exactly what it was. When I saw a chair go flying over my head, <laughs> that's, that's it. when I looked, that's when I looked at my two friends and I knew I had to get up at four, you know, uh, whatever I was. And I said to them, I think we should leave <clears throat> before it gets worse. And we started, we started to leave, you know, and, and that's when, you know, from uh, what you've seen and, you know, on the video and, and everything, you know, people started throwing chairs. They were, 
chairs, brand new chairs that were just bolted into the ground were being ripped apart and thrown at the stage. Um, shrubberies, if you will, uh, were being thrown, you know, brand new, you know, plants. Um, I mean, anything that they could get their hands on, they would throw it at the stage. And when that started happening, I mean, cause I knew if, if that was happening for whatever reason, I was like, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get hit with something. Let's get the fuck out of here. You know? So me and my two buddies, we left. I mean, we, we started to, uh, to make our way out of the, out of the venue. And that's when it got even crazier. Well, so. good on you for getting out before you got hurt. So, and then I guess, let me ask, how did the, the radio station handle it? Because since it was, that was their baby, you know, it was your, your family that was inside essentially, you know, how, how do they handle it on the air, off the air? Well, I, I'll tell you what, you know, and this sucked. The guy that was doing midnight, Axel called in. Really? And yes, and I don't think a lot of people know this, uh, but he did call in somehow. I don't know if he got the warm line or if he called in the request line and he talked to the guy that was on the air and he did not roll any tape. Oh, At the time, that's what you did. Oh, my God. We have nothing. That's yeah, rule number one have, radio. Uh, always roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have nothing. And that's when I heard, you know, from what I've heard, he, you know, explained what happened and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that, you know, nothing else happened with the station that I knew, you know, until I showed up for work the next morning, you know, and, and, and not only was, you know, I at the show, but also the, the producer for the morning show, uh, happened to be there too. So he, he had his point of view. So we both told our point of views. And I, I think I still have that tape okay. uh, of, uh, of, uh, the morning show. And, and so that's when we were dealing with the promoters and, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget smash was the host of the morning show. And, um, you know, he was talking to Irv Zuckerman, because uh, they, it was Irv Zuckerman and Steve Shankman. They own the Riverport Amphitheater, and I'll just never forget Smash telling him on the phone that you know we put all those people in their seats and blah 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 blah. And it was. Uh, and you're talking about just, Asher uh, uh, Ben Ruby, right? Is that Smash? Asher Ben Ruby, that's right, baby. I have I've had him on the podcast. We broke down. Uh, that's the St. Louis connection, you know. He he was the mm-hmm. uh, the MTV uh, video. Um, yeah, that's right. He had Guns N' Roses on. And they destroyed the set. That's right, 1987. Sorry. Yeah. I had a case if anybody, if no one knew who Smash was, and I wanted to make sure we, we oh, had that, yeah. that GNR connection. Uh, yeah. I love Smash. And, 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 and just quickly, that, that next morning, the morning after the show, when, you know, back at the time, I had not been like on Casey on the radio. I had all these last names picked out. And, you know, my last name is Guy, or my name is Guy Favaza. And if you say Favaza, people go, what? <laughs> you know? And so I was not about to use any part of my name. Smash called me the Mighty Favaz that morning. And he said, Let, let's see what the Mighty Favaz uh, has to say about the show last night. And so here I am right behind the microphone, you know, running the controls. And, and I started, you know, spieling about, you know, what I saw and everything. And Favaz. And I'm still called Favaz to this day. And I don't use, I've never used Mighty, but it was the Guns N' Roses riot and Smash that it resulted in my, my name, my on-air name. Wow. That, that was kind of weird. That's something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea about that. Cause I wanna, yeah, isn't that weird? Because I, I, yep. I want to make sure before I lose it, I want to uh, 
uh, thank our, our mutual friend, uh, Rob Scarpelli, who connected us. And just, yes, absolutely. Good I, guy. I, I went to Hofstra with Rob, and uh, he's somebody who needs to be a radio guy in another life. But I know he works for Casey in sales, but he, he, I don't know. He has that voice and storytelling ability. Um, we go way back. But, yeah, when he said, like, oh, you were there and he has this documentary, he failed to mention – Favaz was kind of named after that that riot, or you know, the, that was one of the uh, events that came out of it. It was it was you being named. So I, I guess that, yeah, that's crazy. That, that is very funny. Um, it's crazy. And you got to get yep. the unless it is already the um, your on air break the morning after online. Is that online? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I guess you could look at it like that um, because I I told what I saw. You know, and, and Carl, who was the producer. At no, the time, I mean, um, I'm sorry. I mean, like, is it online for us to listen to your first break? Like, I, oh, it, God, if I can find it, I'll set, I'll, I'll shoot you a copy. Okay. I, I don't know if I can. Uh, I, I know I have it on cassette. I just, uh, my God, after 29 years, you, you compile some shit in your house. So. <laughs> I can only. Even, <laughs> I'm sure you're well aware of that. I'm, you know? Yeah, I am. So, what was as we kind of. Um, you know, I know what it's like to be a morning guy, and uh, I'm sure you're. Oh, I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. You're, you're handling. Okay, just making sure. Being yeah, considerate. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being considerate. Uh, yeah. What was the reception when Guns N' Roses came back in in 2017? Not in this lifetime, because it's obviously a very different um, band. Many years later, was there? Yeah, I guess the reaction from KC fans in the uh, St. Louis community. I it, it was not sold out, and mm. it was at the Dome. And um, they were great. And Axel didn't really address it at all during the show. The only thing he said, and it was, it was kind of funny to me, he goes, uh, it's been a while since we've been here. And he goes, did you miss me? <laughs> and, and, and that was it. And the show was great. And, and to see Rocket Queen, you know, and Richard had, you know, he's got the solo in that song. Um, it was just really cool. And I think most people... You know, I mean, certainly people that were there, you know, loved seeing the show. But there were people that boycotted the show because of what they had done, you know, all those years earlier. Mm. You know, it was just kind of stupid. Now, I will say that I took a picture with Stump at the show. Uh, I had floor seats, and he did too. Oh, nice. And he, he was pretty, yeah, he was pretty wasted. And um, I took a picture with him, and I posted it on, on Twitter, and it was, it's probably the most viewed thing I've ever tweeted. I mean, people from all over the world. I got to find that. Because and I don't, yeah, I don't remember what I said, but whatever I said, I was like, here's the guy that started it all back in 1991. It was Stump, you know, and, and here he and I had taken a picture, you know, during the show. And I was like, does Axel, does, you know, I asked him, I was like, does Axel know that you're here? And he's like, ah, I don't think so. I'm kind of kind of down there but you know i'm not you know uh down front like he was for the for the riot show and um you know axel was just you know being a good boy that night and um but it was just it was funny that picture i was just never it just blew up right now for me i'm gonna share it as soon as i can find it you know i i don't mind having to go through your twitter timeline and look at all the st louis blues stuff that's fine but i gotta i gotta find it by the way If we were doing a Zoom, uh, I have a, a Brett Hull uh, St. Louis Blues jersey. Just want to uh, do you? I just want to say love yeah. Holly. I, yeah, I'm a. He was tight with Casey. He was tight with Casey back in the day. That's cool. 
because uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm obviously a hockey guy, and back in the day, you know, before I really got into music, I you know I have all this huge jersey collection, and uh, I always thought just seeing ah, those blues cool. had such a beautiful. No, I still. Oh, it's not a Maguire jersey technically, but just that era St. Louis Cardinals. We're just trying to bond here right. before <laughs> before we wrap. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I wanted I wanted to tell that I interviewed Duff and Slash together years later when Velvet Revolver came out. Okay, was that uh, 2004? I guess their first record or whatever. I sat on a couch between those two guys, and. I slash had already been through town and he had been on my show and you know, everybody was cool to slash and he knew that basically everybody here is, is really nice. And the, the people that loved guns and roses were nice. Duff had never been, okay. uh, it was his first time back. And it was just funny to hear him say that where, wherever they stayed, he said that he put uh you know, a couple of construction workers on the list because they recognized him because he was jogging in the morning or whatever. And he was like, man, people are so cool here. <laughs> and I'll never forget. And this is on the Casey tapes. It's on our podcast. It was one of our first episodes. Slash said something, you know, that was just so funny to me. And he said, I think the riot gave people the excuse to be assholes <laughs> because yeah, in man. reality, they're not, but the riot gave them the excuse to be, and it was it was just really funny. And yeah. it's it's very true. It's profound. I mean, you could look at like a lot of riots that are just excuse. You know, they they can come from like we're not going to go down this road, but uh, if it's a political riot, and some you know people are allowed to protest, but some people are just using it as an excuse to to cause damage. And just that's why, yes, you know, absolutely. That's why I know the people yep. of St. Louis are better than that riot. <laughs> you are yeah, not defined yeah. by it. <laughs> Well, you know, you you mix alcohol. I mean, you know, Casey typically the Casey crowd, um, you know, still to this day, uh, they love the bar ring, whether it's at the pageant, which is you know the premier nightclub in St. Louis, or uh, at Riverport, which is now called the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. When it's a Casey sponsored event, they know they're going to do well with their liquor sales, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and sure enough, you know that night. Uh, while I wasn't privy to everything that happened with Casey, you know, back in the day, I mean, that, that was a typical rock and roll crowd that liked to party, that liked to have a good time. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of those people that threw shit, you know, or, or caused shit, you know, was just, you know, they were, they were drunk. And, and, and here, here's one, here's a couple other things that I forgot to add. So when we were in the parking lot leaving, the last thing I saw was one of those 40 gallon you know, trash cans being thrown through the window of the ticket office. Jesus. Okay. So, you know, the, the riot continued out in the parking lot. So when we got on the highway to go back home where I, you know, I probably lived, we probably only lived like 15, 20 minutes away. Um, there were so many cops going the opposite way. <laughs> it was unreal. I mean, it was it was amazing. I've never seen anything like that. And we were just, I, I think I drove and we were in the car and we were just like, holy shit, you know? And then we found out what had happened, you know, afterwards with all the cops and, and, and everything. And it was a code 200, I think it was called back then where any available police officer didn't matter the, the municipality you had to go. If you were available, you were there. Wow. So there was a mix of, of cops there that, uh, that took care of everything. So it was just kind of crazy, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad you survived it. And I appreciate you telling your, your viewpoint and your experience uh, with me and with us I, today. 
No, um, no problem. I love I love the band. I, I still do, and I love Chinese Democracy, and same. I hope they come out with something you know uh, that's that's good. I don't look forward to new rock by classic rock artists so much. You know, like the ACDC one. You know, we were like. It's ACDC, you right. know, three chords. Come on, you can't screw that up, right, you know, and, right. and it's it's them. Guns N' Roses, I'm looking forward to it. I don't, I have no idea when it'll be, but, uh, you know, the day that uh, we have some new Guns N' Roses will be a good day. So Absolutely. And you, you feel confident? I mean, I'm sure, I'm not going to ask you, I mean, if you want to answer, I'm sure Richard hasn't told you off the air, like, oh, yeah, it's coming out. I know that's, that hasn't happened, but do you get a sense? Because I feel it is going to happen. It's just a matter of, when I guess I think it will happen, and Richard, even off mic, is is careful of I think of what he what he says, and I I you know I know for a fact that they've been working on new stuff, and I think eventually you know when Axel gets it together and puts it out, that's when it'll happen. You know, you you you're relying on him to be the guy to organize everything and and put it out there and. That's the that's the wild card factor. Just don't know, but I, I think I think it will be. I mean, I liked you know Chinese democracy. And how long did we wait for that? I know. I I, so. I, I certainly remember that uh, that whole wait. That's when I was kind of youngish and searching the forums for the leaks and everything. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different now, and it's it's just something else. Because yeah, Richard, whenever he had been asked, and he is very careful, but even in his careful way. Yes. The clickbait will pick it up and say Richard Forrest talks about New Guns N' Roses music, and it's the oh same, yeah, it's the yeah, same thing when yeah. I had Duff's wife on the show, and she flat out said I've heard some New Guns N' Roses music, and she just wanted to say that like almost an hour into our interview, and that went viral globally. It's like, but, right, she, ba- exactly. but she barely Pretty said good. anything, good. you know? <laughs> right, and all she said was, "It's really good." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the money for you know, Oz. I was lucky. I, I, hold on, hold on. Sure, one more sure, time. sure. I sure. was really lucky. I was lucky the day that I had one of the times I had Richard in on the air with me. I played better uh, from Chinese Democracy mm-hmm. because I just absolutely love that song. And here he co-wrote it with Axel, and it was just one of the luck of the you know it was the luck of the draw you know that uh, I played that song. And the night of the Riverport riot, Richard was in a band, a local band called The Eyes or Pale Divine Mechanic. I don't remember. He was downtown playing a gig. I know uh, that. When that riot happened. Oh, wow. Back in 1991. Yep. Okay. It's, it's pretty funny to think, you know. That's interesting. And well, you mentioned, the, uh, yeah. you said Richard co-wrote better. Did you mention that? You said that? He did. He either, co- he either he got some songwriting credits. I don't know if it was because of the solo oh, okay. or, or what. But, you know, when Richard's birthday was not all that long ago, and I played better uh, that morning, and uh, I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm thinking about you playing your song right now. And he, you know, he got off on it. But it was, yeah, better. I'm just uh, That's one of those songs. Well, that, that's great because now it seems like it's so almost uh, meant to be that – you know, Richard was playing down the road from this riot of this band yeah. that he would be in and write music with all these years later. Life is How funny. Cra- <laughs> that's the weirdest thing. And he was in a, it was a popular local band. And um, I think the first time I met him, he was in the Casey Studios to promote the reunion show for Pale Divine. But of course, you got a guitarist for Guns N' Roses there. What do you think I'm going to talk about? You know? <laughs> no. So... You know, and he's he's made some visits since, and but uh, yeah, that night he was uh, he was down on what 
we called Laclede's Landing, not too far from uh, the Arch, and he was playing with his band at a at a bar called Kennedy's. And uh, uh, you know, here all these years later, he was he would be Slash's uh, uh, rhythm guitar player in the band. Kind right on. And uh, when I introduced, uh, when I interviewed Richard, I accidentally mispronounced uh, saying it Arc instead of Arch because I have been inside the Arch. Arch. And he corrected me, so I felt like an idiot to, to Richard. Rich, so. <laughs> well, he better have corrected you because he's lived here his whole life, <laughs> exactly. so he knows how to how to say it. So. Absolutely, uh, Favaz. Thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation. I appreciate you reliving that that night with me. My, uh, my pleasure. My so pleasure. Follow uh, Favaz at Casey Guy on on Twitter. Uh, you mentioned the Casey Tapes podcast. I, I saw just looking on your website. We both had. Uh, Steve Lukather on uh, recently. Did you just had him on? Yeah, just what, had him on. He's a he's a, he's a funny guy. When I spoke to him, like it was one of the part of those morning radio tours. So I was like in the middle of this. Two yeah, hours. me too. Us too. And uh, maybe you were on it. I don't know. Uh, he just yeah. sounded like maybe he had uh, I don't know some Irish coffee that morning or something. He sounded very loosey goosey and in a very good mood. Brando, <laughs> let, let me tell you something. He is one of those guys that has lived a life. Sure. And, you know, he, he sounds like kind of a mush mouth in a way. And it's because of everything that he's done in his life. And, Enough. you know, the fact he remembered the Casey pig, this T-shirt that we had back in 1978. We started the interview off and we said we were from Casey. Because I remember Casey back in 78. You guys were like the sponsor of our first tour. You know, I remember the pig. And that's our that's our logo still to this day is, is sweet meat. It's the Bloodwin pig from the uh, Bloodwin pig album. I don't know if you remember that, but it was way back in the seventies and it's uh, yeah, he remembered it. So it, it's kind of funny uh, reconnecting with some of these artists that remember Casey back in the day. It's, it's been a great, great, a great life to live, uh, you know, to work here for sure. Awesome. Favaz, again, thank you so much. I hope we get to do this again, you know, just, uh, absolutely just, just to t- talk radio. I, 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 uh, I really enjoy that. So, uh, get some rest and Me just, too. and, um, you know, just thank you so much for your time today. Uh, first I'm going to eat lunch and then I'm going to take a nap. Oh, sounds good. That was a lot of fun. If you haven't yet, cause it's the, the documentary is online. Check it out. It's fun. It's just, a, it's a fun watch. Um, knowing that everything is okay now, but wow, what, what a scary moment. Of course, I'm saying the obvious, it's scary to be in a riot, let alone at a, a a Guns N' Roses concert. You know, I just put up a poll on social media. What kind of Guns N' Roses do you prefer? The, the prompt on time, uh, perfect, uh, flawless, uh, flawless set or late riots? (laughs) Well, uh, needless to say, most of you are, are are saying that you would prefer a, a flawless set on time, but I'm not surprised, and I do uh, I feel this way to a degree. You, you say this from um, from afar, like oh, I kind of want to experience the the crazy, the over the top Guns N' Roses, the dangerous Guns N' Roses. Looking back and fantasizing, that might be a good idea, but for for those who lived it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they would want to relive these situations again. Uh, so we're going to do, in addition to the, of course, today about St. Louis and uh, last episode about Montreal, we are going to do a Philadelphia one as well. And we'll see. You know, I'm going to focus in. I'm going to do more episodes like this where we talk about a specific show, people that were, were there, whether they are 
Uh, it's from a fan perspective. I, I think the the perspective today was not just of a fan, but a you know a radio personality, somebody who was involved with the station that put it on. I think that's even a another perspective to look at, or of course a band member. Uh, I will say, I reached out to Doug Goldstein about um, that. I'm doing these riot episodes, and he said there is a lot of misconception out there about all the riots. You know, uh, who's to blame and, and, and what happened. And maybe one day he will share his version. So thanks again for hanging out on this, another another edition of this Guns N' Roses themed podcast, Appetite for Distortion, where we look at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses, six degrees of GNR bacon. And before I get out of here, because the only reason I have this podcast is because of all of you listening. I want to say congratulations, Mazel Tov, to Carla follower on uh, on Twitter uh, from Guadalajara, Mexico because she was follower number 2000 and I put out there whoever is follower number 2000 I will give you a free t-shirt Appetite for Distortion t-shirt so I'm sending a t-shirt to Mexico that's the cool thing about Redbubble so if you want to purchase a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a coaster or whatever Appetite for Distortion uh, Redbubble they ship everywhere I basically get uh, I, I don't get a very large percentage of this because Redbubble does everything, but that's okay. It's, it's not about that. It's just uh, spreading the brand of Appetite for Distortion. So if there are more giveaways I can do in the future, which there's still going to be the, the pinball giveaway in the future, the Guns N' Roses uh, pinball machine giveaway. Not the machine, but a prize pack from the, the company, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball, that does, that did, the, the pinball machine. So stay tuned. So follow on social media. You can win stuff. Twitter.com slash the AFD show. Facebook.com slash the AFD show. Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. And YouTube. Make sure you follow on YouTube. I've gotten active on that the last few months, uploading all the, basically the episodes I've been doing in quarantine this year. And, and it's just been, it's been very cool. Just getting the name out there, another avenue for people to find this podcast still. After all these years, uh, people find this podcast each and every episode. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. What will be the next episode? What will be the topic? Who will be the next guest? When will you see it? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.